0: to be here. And for those joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you're here too. Um, And I want to ask you, I don't know um, about you, but I always look to the season and I'm like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. So I want to know, how do you feel about the Christmas season? So if you could choose a movie to describe how you feel, would it be this one? And you'll see Elf coming up on the screen, hopefully. How many of you guys have seen Elf? Yeah, you know, right, the, the line that, that I love in that story, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. There you go. And you can comment in the chat if you are watching online what, how you feel about Christmas with the movie. Or how about this next movie? A Christmas Carol. Maybe you're feeling like, well, humbug, right? That is, this, that is how you feel. Any other options out there? Another movie that expresses how you feel. Christmas vacation. Goodness gracious. You're feeling stressed, I see. Okay. <laughs> wonderful so wonderful life. That was one at the other service, too. It's a wonderful life. What a good perspective to have in the midst of all the stuff that we aren't always happy about or that gets hard. But here's a fun fact about me. I went over a decade without celebrating Christmas And it was started from like the age 10 to about early 20s. And so now every chance I get to celebrate, I'm going to just celebrate, go out, make up for all those years that I didn't get a chance to celebrate. And I don't have time to go into the why, but if you really want to know, catch me after service and we'll talk. But, um, you know, one of the things that I'm learning through my three-year-old Is that for her this time is a time full of wonder i wish that i could record every time her eyes there's a wide-eyed wonder in her eyes as we plug in the christmas tree she's like you know or you know we um we uh, have been kind of just going around and, and watching the lights or the tree she just gets so excited or when she sees a jolly man in a red suit, she does this thing. She puts her hands on her belly, and she goes, oh, oh, oh. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the cutest thing ever. So I love seeing the wonder through her eyes. And, you know, this Friday, this last Friday, we got a chance to go to Portland, and they were doing, like, this whole, like, food carts and DJ, and there was pop-up shops everywhere. And so we went um, because they're going to have a kid's, um, activity and stuff. So we're like, there's an entire section where kids are going to get to go and they're going to create postcards and um, work on ornaments. And then they were going to get to take a picture with a white-bearded fellow in a red suit. So while we were in line waiting to for Charlie's photo op, you know, Santa had been there sitting the whole time. But Charlie hadn't noticed yet. She had not seen Santa. So we said, Charlie, look, it's Santa. And the moment she saw him, she was like, her eyes just went wide and her mouth dropped and she was just staring. And so it was really cute to just see her take in that moment. But you know, it's a silly illustration, I know, especially I don't know how you feel about Santa. But the whole time we were there waiting in line, Santa was there. He had been there sitting in his chair. He had not moved. Charlie had just not seen him, right? He had not, she had not paid attention to him until we pointed him out. And the moment that she noticed right away, her face lit up, and we knew that she had seen what we took her there to see. And today I wanna talk to you about seeing the wonder of hope. Seeing the wonder of hope that's there, it's always been there, but we don't always see it. See, the wonder of hope said another way would be the wonder of waiting or the wonder of patience. But that, what is so wonderful about patience? What is so wonderful about waiting? Well, you see, there's a waiting that comes and fills you with anxiety, and then there's a waiting that comes and fills you with anticipation. So, From from the last words that, that we read in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is the first part of the Bible, and it's filled with promises of God, but it's filled with one specific promise of a Messiah, a Savior that would come to rescue his people. So from those last words in Malachi to the very first words written in the New Testament, 400 years had passed. Those 400 years uh, are known as the years of silence because God did not speak to his people or no word from God was written in four centuries. Now, I'm going to state the obvious here. That's a long time. Una gran espera. The New Testament begins in the book of Matthew. And it's pretty much an Ancestry.com report, right, listing the lineage of the promised Messiah. And then it goes into how his birth came about. Another account of Jesus' birth is told in the book of Luke. And for me, a Spanish speaker, that is a very hard thing to say, um, book of Luke. Um, but it starts, the people that like our bilingual get it, like just, you know, Spanish accent comes out. You're like, no, I'm speaking English right now. Um, but anyways, sorry, going back. So in this book, something happens that's not been seen in 400 years. And that's angel of the Lord announcing to Zechariah, a Jewish priest, that he about to be a baby daddy. And something that he had hoped for in a very long time. And the details of the story tell us that he and his wife, Elizabeth, were not just old, but very old. Okay? I love that it includes it in there. So it's saying, look, the, the, this seems impossible. This is like a really hard thing. Like this shouldn't happen. But God shows up. And the narrative says that when Zechariah saw the angel, he was shaken and overwhelmed with fear. and God breaks the silence he speaks to this man a promise that he had longed for but more so a promise that the people of God had longed for together and what is Zechariah's response let's read it he says how can I be sure of this I am an old man and my wife is well along in years my husband ever says that. <laughs> the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you. And to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words which will come true at an appointed time. He saw and he feared, and with all due reason, none of us, you know, um, have any idea or have ever seen anything like an angel. But from what I've read, the description is pretty frightening. So I could understand why he was scared. But though he saw and was, um, what he saw was surprising. It was the kind of thing that only God could say and that only God could do. He didn't believe. He heard the baby announcement and thought, there's no way. No way, no way. See, wait. No, no way. No way. You know, like, there's no way. No matter how wonderful the words that the angel had spoken to him were, there was disbelief in his heart. There was, where was the wonder of hope? And see, while studying the Bible Project devotional on Advent, Tim Mackey explains that there are two main words in the Old Testament for hope. The first one is yakal, which means to wait for, or kava, which also means to wait. However, this word is related to the Hebrew word kav, which means there is a, this, it's like a cord. So there's this tension pulling on a cord until it breaks. So it's this feeling of tension and expectation as you wait for something to happen. And in Psalm 135 and seven, we see it play out. Those two words. It says, "I wait or kava for the Lord; my whole being waits." And in His word, I put my hope. Israel, put your hope or jakal in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing, um, is unfailing love, and with Him there's full redemption. So, what do we see here? What can we see? The biblical hope is based. on. On a person. The biblical hope is not just staying positive and seeing the glass half full. Because biblical hope does not equal optimism. But I like optimism. Optimism is good. You should be optimistic, people. But more than that. Because optimism is choosing to see any situation or how circumstances could work out for the best. However, biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. It sees God. Its focus is God. And it goes all in with God. And I'm guessing Zechariah focused or looked at the circumstances more than he trusted what the angel was saying. He saw his oldness or his age, his wife, and how many trips around the sun they both had lived, so he had reason, but let me offer you or share this with you again. This is from the same Advent um, Devo. It says, "Biblical hope is a choice to wait for God to bring." And there should be a slide up there to bring about a future that is as surprising as the crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look. Forward. See, as people that have chosen to follow Jesus, if you're in the room or joining us online and you've chosen to follow Jesus, you identify as a follower of Jesus, we have a living hope. The wonder of hope, the miracle of hope, the miracle of waiting is the risen Jesus, the anticipation of life. And we can see the wonder of hope in the midst of our darkest day. Because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. But I think for us, what happens is what is common in every human heart. And it's illustrated in the following story where Jesus asked his disciples this question. And we're going to read it. And it's in Mark 8, 18 through 20. It says, you have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftover did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftover did you pick up? Seven, they said. And because Jesus is so good at teaching us to see, he illustrates further. So we're going to read this next story of a blind man. And it says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were open, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus cares about our seeing, about our ability to see. He wants us to see the wonders of his provision, but more than that, he wants that in the midst of our hopeless circumstance, we see him. For it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The J.B. Phillips translation of Colossians 1.27 puts it this way. The secret is simply this, Christ in you. Yes, Christ in you, bringing with him the hope of all glorious things to come. Can we see that it is not about having or not having enough to eat, as it was in the case of the disciples in the story, but it is about the presence of Jesus. Christ in you. It is about seeing everything in our lives with the perspective of heaven. See, Jesus had warned his disciples to watch out for the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And what does yeast do to dough? It causes it to rise. So we can say that it has an influence on the dough, right? What is the influence of the Pharisees and Herod? Disbelief. They refused to believe. They didn't see Jesus for who he was. But I love that Jesus, in a very unconventional and, in my opinion, disgusting way, decides to heal this man, this blind man. Please don't spit in my eyes. You can pray for me. Don't spit on me. And he says, can you see anything? And and when the man's answer is, I I can see but not very clearly, then Jesus puts his hands again on him. And his eyes were opened to the point of clarity. To the point where his, there was complete restoration over his eyesight. Was Jesus not able to heal the first time? I don't think that that's it. I think Jesus is using this to say to his disciples, I can heal and heal again. I can heal and heal again. Until you see. See, disbelief brings about hopelessness. And hopelessness has a way of blinding us. Has it blinded or dimmed your sight? God, I've been praying for years. Started my prayer over a decade ago. And it feels like you have forgotten me. I feel forsaken. You have left me in this waiting room far too long. Much more than I am comfortable with. Waiting for you to reveal this promise. That I didn't even ask for. But it's in my heart. And there's this longing that hurts. Because what the proverb says is true. Hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. See, I know I'm not the only one that has felt this way. And we see it in Psalms over and over again. But there's also this guy named Jeremiah, prophet of God, who finds himself with his heart pierced with grief. And he says, the thought of my suffering And homelessness is bitter beyond words. I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Seeing the wonder of who God is. A God of faithful love and placing your hope in him helps you to see in the midst of your suffering. And I know that there are many unanswered prayers that you are holding on to. That maybe you cry over. But that you would, as Jeremiah said, yes. I still dare to hope. See, seeing the wonder of who he is helps us to see. And true sight starts at the recognition of blindness. The blind man, he knew that he was blind. So he went to Jesus and he wanted Jesus to heal him. And the disciples, they had physical eyes that could see, but really they could not see. They could not see that Jesus had in their different times of need brought about divine provision time and time again. I want to invite the band to come up. And as they do that, I want you to know that it's not only Jesus, we fail to see with the eyes of our understanding. But a lot of times, we fail to really see people. Because in our minds, we have categorized them before really knowing them. It happens to people with disabilities all the time. We see the disability before we see the person. And so in this season, my prayer is that our eyes would be open to not only see the hope of Jesus in our own lives, Christ in us, but that our eyes would see those that God has surrounded us with because every single person is made in the image of God and worthy of recognition. There's a song that goes, and I'm not going to sing it, so praise the Lord for that. <laughs> but it says, said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? See, after the shepherds hear the good news, they hear the word of God, they say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, this thing that happened was God engaging his people in human form of promise of God being fulfilled in such a personable way the arrival of the promised Messiah so I want to invite you to take a moment right now to tell God where you struggle to see Or to hope to see a vision beyond your circumstances. So would you close your eyes? And would you have a conversation with God right now? And would you share with him where you struggle to see? or we hope to see a vision beyond our circumstances. Help us to see. God, we choose to wait on you to bring about a future that is as surprising as the risen Jesus. That's the thing about you, Lord. You do things that are beyond our thoughts your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways much higher than our ways so when what you're doing doesn't make sense to us help us to see you help us to see hope Jesus right there with us In the midst of the hard things. So Lord, thank you that you listen to what your people have said to you today. We thank you that our hope is found in the person of Jesus. With Christmas, hope was revealed. And so we light this candle to represent and to remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus in this season. And I pray that as you do it in your own time at home, whether it's lighting a candle or whether it's spending time just sitting with Jesus or reading your devotional that you got a chance to take home. You can take one home if you didn't, but that you would know that he's right there with you, that you would see him. See, the shepherds go and see. And after seeing Jesus, they go and they tell everyone about what just had happened, right? And all the people who heard were amazed. They were filled with wonder. And that reminds me and you that Jesus is the greatest news that we can ever share with the world. And I don't know about you, but we are in a weary world needing to rejoice. And we need good news. And friend, you and I have the hope of Jesus. So guess what? That makes you hope dealers. You deal out hope in the midst of the crazy circumstances that you hear people sharing with you. And you go and you share Jesus, but you invite people in to come and see what the Lord has done. So I want to encourage you in a very passionate way to invite people, to share with people the hope of Jesus. Because it's not meant just for you. It's personal, but it's community. It's for everybody. It's for the world. So if you've not thought of somebody to share it with, oh, I pray that Jesus would show you this week. Because we know that God's love in our life is as sure as the rain in the Pacific Northwest. Amen. We know that. It's just going to happen. It's just going to be there. So I want to invite you to continue to do that right there where you are. And we want to end this service. And that's it. That's how I'm closing service. We're gonna sing one song, and we're gonna leave singing the song. Okay? So right there, right. Would you stand? We're so grateful you're here, and don't forget to grab your kid after the song. We love you. Thank you for bringing back the bags. Have a great, great start in the season. Let's sing the song, and then we can go home.